we started this podcast, Content is for Closers, the first episode we talked about how we use a specific content creation system to develop $1.4 million in pipeline. Well, that was before we were using what we're about to describe to you and produced the last 100 episodes. So that number has only multiplied in terms of the at-bats that we are getting as a business. And so this content production system that you know necessarily helps you produce more volume has worked for us. But Carlton, give us- and That's a- all, yeah, I mean, that's all within spite of a couple of things. One is me being a co-host to Adam. And <laughs> that, that's thing. why we get the, the millions of dollars. Put that content down. Content. The closes on. What's your name? Content. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Content is for closers. All right, all right, all right. We are back for another episode of Content is for Closers. It's your boy, Adam, here with the Sultan of Systems, the commander of ClickUp himself. Welcome back to the show, Carlson Riffle. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that That from the noble of Notion. Ooh. Pulled that out there. <laughs> a, a title swap. I like that. Noble of yeah. Notion. Man, that's, that's high I praise. I can stick with you. one. I couldn't think of, I couldn't think of two. Alliteration is the best. Straight up stealing it, it from J. Cal on uh, on All In, but uh, he he does a good job of that. Carlton, today we are going to talk about how we produce, in my opinion, a, a decent, a healthy amount of content out of each episode of this podcast. It, right around currently, we're producing right about sixteen assets out of each episode. We definitely have some room for growth, but. Just to give you as the listener kind of a little bit of context, this has really worked for us. In the last year, we have produced somewhere around 100 episodes. I need to go back and count. This Maybe this is the 100th. I'm not even sure. We should probably be celebrating that. But And along that road, along that journey, we have seen a 10x increase in YouTube engagement. We have seen I don't even know the exact multiple, but we've seen a huge amount of growth in our podcast audience. And most importantly for us, we have generated a very healthy amount of pipeline. When we when we started this podcast, Continents for Closers, the first episode we talked about how we use a specific content creation system to develop $1.4 million in pipeline. Well, that was before we were using what we're about to describe to you and produced the last hundred episodes. So that number has only multiplied in terms of the at-bats that we are getting as a business. And so this content production system that you know necessarily helps you produce more volume has worked for us. But Carlton, give us- and That's some- all, yeah, I mean, that's all within spite of a couple of things. One is me being a co-host to Adam. <laughs> and that, that's thing- why we get the, the millions of dollars. No, yeah, the second thing is we really have kind of been using ourselves as guinea pigs, right? Like yeah. we're, we do this for other people, but we're somewhat limited because of certain like time constraints or, or different things. And we're trying to find ways to speed this up, to make it a value add so that we're not, you know, spending all of our time doing everything manually. So we figured out some ways to automate some things. We figured out some ways to streamline and really make it so that this isn't an impossible task while we're working on a bunch of other clients. Yeah. And in addition to that, to your, to your point at first, we're also just willing to take risks with this show that we probably wouldn't prescribe elsewhere because we want to find out if things work, if things are worth 
investing in if, if our clients should try, et cetera. So that's a good point. What we've done has probably not been the most efficient way, but I would say this, what we're about to describe, this content creation process is absolutely efficient and has been very, very useful for us. So lay the foundation initially, you know, what's our setup? How are, how are we building a system so that we can even begin to talk about making 16 pieces of content out of every episode? Yeah, last episode, we got really philosophical. So we're going to take the opposite approach this time, and we're just going to get nitty gritty into the weeds with our, our technical details. So wait, but before you stop listening, don't worry, I'm here. So we're not going to get, I won't let him get too technical. We'll say some funny <laughs> things along the way. Yeah, Adam will help keep it entertaining. So yeah, we, we basically start everything with, we, we kind of have these pillars of our systems. And so a big pillar is ClickUp. Another big pillar is Google Drive. And then obviously we're using Riverside to record. And so for those, some clients that are remote, we use, you know, Riverside is our, our primary tool for that. But then some clients actually record on, on like nice cameras and things. So we basically use all, all of that together. And we use Make, which was previously called Integramat to kind of automate some of those steps in between it. But really it starts with a content document that is, is kind of like the foundation of where a lot of things are stored. And we use Google Docs for that because it can be easily shared with our clients. We can kind of collaborate in there. But all of that goes pretty seamlessly back and forth between ClickUp. And so what we what we end up doing is kind of saying, kind of getting our, our preliminary notes in there and saying if, if this is going to be a question or if this is something we're going to ask somebody or if it's maybe our own our own thoughts, our own ideas for like this episode, we write in there kind of your main outline, your main points that we want to hit. And that really is like kind of kicks off the project and gets it on the board so that we're kind of all aware and we're all collaborating together. Really, once we do that, then we've got to actually create some of the content. So either for, for Adam doing an interview episode, he'll have the interview, he'll, he'll get it scheduled, get it, get some of the content from that in the folder. And then we'll kind of follow up with this intro so that we can provide some context, pr provide some commentary, hopefully add some value. And, and then really, once we have those assets in there, then we unleash the team to, to start doing their work. Yeah. So the only other thing I would, I'd love to tap on is the actual file structure. I think that is helpful and unique. So yeah. You mentioned we use ClickUp and Drive. ClickUp is sort of the project management software that tells everybody what to do. And then they go into Drive to actually do that work. Within Drive, what's the file management system that we use in, to, help, to help work all this? We have it set up so that when something, basically when you create a new project in ClickUp, it automatically creates the folder in Google Drive and then links it. And so when you click, click away and into that folder and into that document, you can pretty quickly begin to start adding or working on the assets. But specifically, that's like the main folder for the episode. And then within that, we have a final folder. So our team will kind of be orchestrating all those assets that are in the main folder that aren't really polished yet, just kind of the raw things. And then within that final folder, once we finish something that's complete, completed and done, we put it in. So it's kind of obvious. It kind of seems basic, but having that delineation allows you to have one that you can share with your team internally and then one that we can share with the client so that they get only the final assets. Yeah. And I, I would just say that that does seem pretty simple, but we didn't always do it that way, but that has really made it simple. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from guests even 
on how much they like having that file folder set up or that final folder set up, I should say. Because when you're done, you can say, hey, here's the here's the full episode and here are all of the final assets that are ready for you to share if you want to or to use if you want to. It just yeah. makes it really, really easy for for your guests. Okay, so that's kind of our setup. That's our structure. And then I would say we've got really two buckets of content then that comes out of the, the creation process. We have a bunch of assets that are directly pulled from the episode itself. And then we have some indirect assets that get created as a result of it. So let's start with the, the direct assets. I'll just run through them so that you get a, a sense of volume. We have an annotated intro. We'll talk about that in a second. The video and the audio edited, a transcription, a summary, time stamped show notes, some quotes that are generally pulled out, some audiograms, and then there's some shorts. The last three of those quotes, audiograms, and shorts are the most time intensive in terms of creating. But let's start back at the at the top and talk through that process. You and I jump on, you just listen to the raw initially, right? And then we, we yeah. go on there and do the recording. And we basically provide some commentary. And really the benefit of that is you're kind of digesting it and working through some of those ideas before the writer even gets to it. So we have a writer that will come through and, and create those show notes and create the summary. But what it allows us to do is to kind of start picking out the valuable pieces of content. And so I know I know for you, Adam, like you were the one that were originally doing a lot of these things. And you can listen to an episode and kind of have the the hat on of like, I'm just taking notes, but mm -hmm. it's kind of a different lens that you're, you're thinking about it when you're correcting a transcript or when you're making some of the changes for what will be like a, a quote card or maybe an audiogram, like those are kind of different hats. So what we do is we, we just basically put it all in one document so that people can reference and use each other's notes to build on, on, yeah, on so the document that, itself. That's in the content document. Before that, even we do, we, we, once the intro is done and the video and audio have been edited we upload it to Otter. Is that right? Yeah. So Otter really, we've, we've t tested a ton of different programs and Otter gives us the cleanest transcription. So once Johnny's done editing it, he does a great job with that. He just throws it in Otter and then basically takes that transcription and puts, we put it in the Google doc. And that kind of becomes the seed for the rest of the content that we produce that transcription. Yeah. So a lot of people ask, you know, is a transcription worth doing? Is it really going to boost your SEO? Blah, 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 all these types of questions. I, the answers to some of those things are probably no. Like, I, I don't know that there's hard data evidence you would probably know about transcription necessarily helping your SEO. I don't think that's the case, is it? Yeah, it's still like one of those argued things. That yeah. Really, what it really comes down to is if it's helping people digest your content and if you're getting more clicks because of it, Google kind of knows knows that. So yeah. if, if certain things are getting mentioned over and over again, it actually can weaken your site because it makes those keywords less valuable or less clickable. So it, it all kind of depends on how people interact with your site. But generally speaking, if, if you can put it on there and if you can provide um, kind of an a easy way for people to interact with it, then it can help. But it's not yeah. going to be like a silver bullet for your SEO. Right, which I think is what people initially thought when it came to podcasting. That being said... Yeah it is extremely helpful as a part of the creative process because it provides that seed for the rest of the work that goes on. And uh, eventually, if you upload the video, that you can use that as the starting point for your captioning, which is, is yeah. extremely useful and helpful on YouTube. 
So, so far, and I will say kind of real quick to to kind of caveat that the things that will help your SEO is going to be a a great summary that helps the person digest what the episode is actually about, hits on those keywords in a more exact and and like intentional way. And then the show notes that include two other places, that's what's going to help your SEO, your on-page SEO more than just having the entire transcription, you know, in, in uh, like, like overwhelming amount of text from the interview yeah. on page. That's a great point. So to this point, we have developed an intro. We have the video and the audio edited. We have a transcript uploaded. We've written a summary and we've done just to what you just said, some linked show notes. One other thing before we get into quotes and audiograms, I would say is that if you have a interview based show, I would highly recommend you consider using the intro format that we use on this show mainly for two reasons. One is I think that it allows you to inject some of your own personality and, and opinions into your show, which will help your audience hook more into or, or build a relationship with you as the host, as opposed to always trying to build a relationship with a guest each week, they're coming because they want to listen to you. So if they never hear from you or never hear your actual opinions, it's difficult for them to develop that relationship. The second thing is that it, it, that piece typically ends up being something that you can pull other assets from, whether it be just a joke that comes up, a story that happens, it could be a number of things, but over time that provides a lot of at bats for, for ancillary content. So yeah, that's all of the kind of upfront initial stuff that happens. Once we've done all of that intro video and audio edited transcript summary and show notes. Now we go into the more heavy lift of creative, I would say. And that comes with the quote cards, audiograms, and shorts. Yeah. So if, if you've got kind of that base content there, then the video editor or the audio editor that's going to work on those like small episode or assets can take that. What we usually do is like a cover of some sort. And that cover is kind of repeated in a few different ways. So you can kind of use that, the title of the episode that's kind of a, a preliminary piece of it. The actual guest name, like who who came on the show, and then their title. Those three pieces can kind of be reformatted in different ways and put with with different combinations to get give you some of those assets. So uh, you think about having like a YouTube thumbnail, or you think about having like a custom episode art, artwork for your your episode. Like it's essentially the same content. It's just reformatted slightly different. So when somebody goes to create these quote cards. They're kind of using that same design, using the same title, the same, dis, you know, the, the same, uh, I guess it would be like their job description or, or whatever title that person has. So we, we basically have that document where they go in there and edit it, you know, swap out the, the quote cards, and then export just like a blank version that we can lay text and, and like a waveform on top of. So essentially you're, you're kind of expediting that by having all of the the pieces in one place where the title, the person's name, and then their description, their job description is all updated at once. Are there any tools that are particularly helpful in, in using that, that you'd recommend and building that? Yeah. So we use Canva mainly just because it's like some people are like Canva. I thought you guys were like professional agency. <laughs> well, Canva is actually pretty powerful now. They've, they've made some incredible updates in the last few years, but it's really just the collaborative at- nature of it. The fact that like some of these assets we even design outside of Canva and then just uses backgrounds. And so that we can kind of 
have things there ready for even our copywriter to go in there and just make changes to. It's super easy, super fast, super accessible. And then really from from there, the script has kind of become our go-to for the audiograms because they do a great job with like giving you some of the customized, like you can customize a lot of the video assets now. Whereas like Headliner, that used to be one that we used for everything for the audiograms. But the script really allows you to work with video and audio, clean up some of those mistakes in there, and then quickly use the transcript itself to generate the title, the subtitles or any, yeah. any captions that we have. That's great. And the only other thing I would add is that the advent of shorts or reels, or it could be TikTok, whatever it is vertical that is kind of your, yeah. yeah, your vertical video of choice, I think has been a boon for podcasters. And I'm interested to see how more podcasters end up using this because whatever it is from your episode that would normally be, you know, some highlight, whether it's a, a story or it's a process or something that you think is just worth visualizing in some way, taking that asset and turning it into a short, turning it into a, a reel, maybe put, maybe just visualizing it with the audio of the podcast over it will absolutely increase your podcast's visibility on other platforms. I'll just give you one example that is not from our show, but, but is still applicable. We have a show called the Oakley Trucking Podcast, and they typically, their shows typically get about four or 5,000 views on YouTube each episode. And they have begun doing just a couple of shorts. They might do one a week or one even every other week. And those shorts are averaging, are averaging five to 10,000 views per short. So it's just really interesting to see how taking, it's the same content, you know, it's pulled from the longer episode, but taking the longer piece, boiling it down into a highlight and putting that on the short platform. And listen, YouTube is giving views away for that, for that medium. TikTok obviously is. Instagram is doing the same. So just taking advantage of that knowledge is a great way to, to get some acquisition for your show, at least right now. Yeah. And I think kind of like what, what all we've mentioned is like table stakes, right? Like this is kind of the minimum of what you want to do when you create an episode, because the, the one drawback with podcasting that pretty much everyone in the industry knows is just discoverability. It's hard to discover shows without a personal recommendation or without running across it somewhere else. So the more you can put your, you know, your content out there in different ways, different formats, different platforms, then the, the likelihood of you being found is higher. That's right. So all of that was the direct assets, the, the assets that are derived directly from the content of the podcast. Now let's flip to indirect. So once we have a show that is complete, assets have been developed, etc. I'll take the topic, whatever it was, and over the course of the week, write a long form blog post for our website based on that topic. And a lot of times it's going to be something, it's not going to be an extremely long post, but it just either takes a single idea that we discussed on the episode or kind of, you know, recaps, recaptures the idea in a slightly different way and expounds on it in order to have that. Now, I would argue again to your SEO transcription, even that is a better use in terms of trying to build SEO over the long haul than just a pure transcription, because I think it's, you're, you're actually doing something value additive. So that's one thing. I'll then make a topical short. 
So if we're, you can look at our YouTube to get examples of this, but if we're talking about how to block, like we talked a couple of weeks ago about how to beat creative block when we were talking about the war of art, I then went and recorded a unique video on the same topic using the same points, but you know, created specifically for YouTube shorts and posted that on YouTube as well. Jim, our, our video editor, you know, produced it, made it look great, put a bunch of visuals on top of it. And then we published that. So that was another one. So and then the last real one quick, just to yeah. interject in there, why, why don't we just use, you know, a clip of you talking right there? Why, why do you think that's different? And why do we record a separate video? Yeah, that's a great question. I think this goes to the idea of repurposing in general. People have this, uh, a little bit of a wrong picture because of Gary V put out a deck a couple of years ago that talked about how you can make a hundred pieces of ass content from, you know, each asset. And what he wasn't saying wasn't just clip and paint publish. He was saying yeah. repurpose, you know? So if you make something, make it so that it works for every platform and make it make another piece that takes those platforms intricacies into play. So the reason yeah. to answer your question is for shorts, it has to be 60 seconds. It's difficult with all the verbal clutter and I'm very verbose, as you can tell, it's difficult to get me to say something in 60 seconds, unless it's intentional. And so actually recording specifically for a short lets us do that better without it cutting off every word because we're cutting it so much and yeah. also allows us to put better visuals on top as well. Yeah. And you can have higher energy. You can approach it in a little bit more of like a, like a fresh energetic way that if you just started doing that in the middle of the podcast, people just <laughs> <laughs> having a seizure. Why yeah. If you just watch our shorts, my eyes are really big. I'm, I'm talking <laughs> with a lot of energy. It would be weird to start doing that mid conversation. That's a good point. So, and then the last piece of indirect content are the tweets and the LinkedIn posts. And so those kind of go hand in hand, but typically just process wise, I'll write a series of tweets based on the episode. For me, our episodes, Carlton, my episodes come out on Friday. So I will write those on Friday for the next week. And then based on which tweets work or get engagement, I will use that as a signaling function and rewrite those for LinkedIn. And that typically happens on Tuesday or Wednesday of the following week. So there's a little bit of a process to it, but to this point, let me just run through it. These are all of, and see, this will be a, a piece we make for a short. Here's how we create 16 assets or more for, from every single podcast. We have an annotated intro. We have a video and an audio episode. We have a transcription. We have a summary of the show. We have time stamped show notes. We have two quotes. We're up to eight. We have two audiograms, two shorts. That takes us to 12, a long form blog post, topical shorts and tweets and LinkedIn posts for a total of 16. So you see, that was impressive, Adam. That was impressive. Bang. 16. But Carlton, really, that's sort of the table stakes, I would say, as to where we are. There's a lot of other things we could be doing and probably should be doing. What are some of those things in your mind? Yeah, I mean, this is where you could get fun and like start to mess around. If you have a great episode, you know, Adam just starts listing things and they're like, wow, that was so amazing. Let's just do more with it. You could start to create memes of some sort. You could go and research, you know, what are some, some ways that we can make that into an infographic or but we can maybe take that and make it into something that's a little bit more controversial or, you know, have a different take on it where we're posing a question maybe and, and, and kind of soliciting some audience feedback. I mean, those are just a couple off the top of my head. What, you know, what are some thoughts that you have on that? Yeah, 
I think other ones are like, these are more obvious probably, but like paid ads, something that I think we could do pretty well, pretty effectively. And, you know, when you're talking about paid ads, it doesn't have to be for your show. It could be for your actual business. If you're discussing topics that are relevant to it. I think also the idea of a live event or webinar is something that could easily come out based on, you know, what you're, what you're discussing on the show. But I wanted to ask you about the memes. That's something that I think it's hard. It, a lot of people want to do it. I think it can be difficult to do well unless you have a, a really engaged audience because then they know what you're referring to. There's like a, a different language that they're speaking. But have you seen that done well specifically? I have some examples in my head, but I was just curious if you've anybody that you've seen has done it well. Yeah, I mean, there's several meme accounts on Instagram itself that that do a great job within like the graphic designer community. I'm I'm not going to get their handles right, so I'm not going to try. Oh yeah, but it's you know they're just basically taking insider knowledge and you know making some sort of surprise connection, right? And so that's really where memes thrive is inside jokes, essentially. So what yeah, they, like go ahead. Well, I just think you can borrow some of those jokes. Assuming that you don't have a huge engaged audience, right? That is just familiar with your own sense of humor or maybe, you know, some of the jokes that you have on your show. I don't think it's wrong. I think you should think about borrowing some jokes from the broader pop culture, whether that's something you saw in sports, whether that's something that you, it could be a political thing. Like, you know, it depends what your show is talking about specifically. There's plenty of examples and you probably know of some meme that you've engaged with or seen. One exercise could be thinking through how that relates to the last episode that you talked about or something recent that you've, that you've made. Yeah. I was going to try to get us to come up with a meme on the spot, but I don't know if that's, that's possible. Oh, I've got Adam's takeaway for this episode is talk about politics in your. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole series you said you pitched on Slack the other day that, uh, that, that got me uh, nervous, but. Yeah, <laughs> I think that there's tons of memes, but again, see, they don't, they don't always fit. Like the first one pops into my head is there's this very famous Brian Windhorst tweet right now that's going around where he has his fingers in the air and he just looks ridiculous, but some people don't know who Brian Windhorst is. So you have to make sure that there's some connection between your audience and, and the actual meme itself. So with that, Carlton, we have talked through our structure, the direct assets, the indirect assets and some other things for growth. Hopefully this is helpful for you if you are creating, if you're thinking about creating other ancillary content. So before we go, let's get to our tweet of the week. I don't I don't have mine pulled up, Carlson, so you start if you've got it going. Okay, so here is a tweet that I thought was pretty interesting is maybe apply to some of you who are leaders. This is seven powerful coaching questions from Teddy, I'm gonna butcher this last name, Mitrosilis. I think that's what it is. I just call him Teddy. So Teddy's got some, some coaching questions. First one is, and what else you're, you're coaching, just not cutting people off and injecting your opinion, but asking them what else, how can I help? What do you want? Some of these seem pretty obvious, but they're actually pretty powerful. What's on your mind. What are you saying no to that? That one was good. What would be most useful for you? And then what's the real challenge for you? So just some, some interesting questions that seem super basic, but I think as leaders, sometimes we're, we're too quick to inject our opinion on things instead of just asking some questions that let people think about something a little bit different or force people to, 
to maybe take a second thought about what, what it is they're, they're telling you. So yeah, I thought that was good. interesting and, and something that's helpful for leaders. Yours was helpful. So I am going to be less helpful, I guess. Mine, my favorite is from at Chris J Backy, B-A-K-K-E. And uh, he talked, he's, he tweeted, I worked five side hustles to make over $2 million a year. Number one, podcasting, recorded one episode last year, $0. Number two, blogging, a substack with 100 followers, $0. You, number three, YouTube, I watch a lot of it, $0. Number four, my trust fund, $2 million. <laughs> number five, Airbnb, renting out a house that I inherited, an additional 250K. Keep after it, keep grinding. I love, yeah, I, I see some things lately that are hilarious, like, like seven, you know, Seven ways that I made a million dollars. Like the last yeah. one is where it's like I the trust it. Or, or I love when people are like, oh, the fastest way to make one point five million dollars: invest two million dollars in Bitcoin. Wait six months or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, people yeah. do that type of stuff. But with that, oh, hopefully, this was a helpful episode to you. If you use it, or if you have some other things that we missed when it comes to creating a lot of assets out of your episode, hit us up. I'd love to hear from you and hear what you do that we could learn from as well. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.